Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. This is episode 108 with my friend Katie Alexander. Katie spent the last 13 years building a prominent career in strategic planning and business development, but the most important job has been a loving wife and mother to two beautiful girls, Ella and Meadow. Her mission in life is to bring balance to home and the workplace, all while living for Jesus. She has spent many years leading women's Bible studies and helping lead others on their journey to the freedom that can be found in Christ. She's translated this passion into a heartfelt book based on finding a way to set your soul free from the bondage of guilt over being a working mom. You will be encouraged. I love Katie's heart. She has a heart for the Lord. And you might be like Katie where she looked for a book to help her be encouraged in being a working mom and she couldn't find one. So God called her to write it and I've read it and it's excellent. So I can't wait to share our conversation with you today. Okay, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Katie. Well, welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. This is one of them I'm like the most excited to be on. (laughs) I am so excited. We met each other over Instagram. Yeah. As you do, right? (laughs) And I, um, I love following you. I love you sent me a copy of your book. Um, a digital copy, and I read it and I loved it. I loved it so much. And we're going to dive into it in a little bit, but first we're going to kind of, I just want you to introduce yourself to my listeners. Tell me about what area of the country you live in. Tell me a little bit about your family and kind of what your day-to-day life looks like. Great. So I'm Katie Alexander. I'm wife to Chris. We have been um, together since we were 15 years old. Uh, married 15 years, and we have two little girls, Ella and Meadow. They are 11 and 5, so middle school and kindergarten this year is very busy. Uh-huh. Um, I'm one of those rare Florida natives who never left, so I'm still in Florida in a little town um, called Apollo Beach, which is just outside of Tampa. Um, and my life is a combination of work, momming, church, finding pockets of time to pursue my passion. Um, while kind of allowing room for God to just interrupt me because he's Mm -hmm. got a better plan. So, Mm. okay. And so what are some of your passions? So, um, we've alluded to one it's writing, uh, and in some way I feel like it'll segue into more speaking than what I'm just doing now, which is a small, um, devotional podcast. Um, and anything kind of that is creative, I feel like God made me to create. So I love to use my hands to create things. Um, That's changed a lot over the years as the world's gone more digital. So sometimes it's digital creation. Um, And then just my girls. I'm very passionate about my girls. But I also like to bring up that you can have other passions outside of your kids because, you know, sometimes you can get a little caught up in just being mom and forgetting that it's okay to pursue some other things with pockets of time. 
Anyway, I love that you brought that up. My friend um, is an author and uh, she came on the podcast uh, uh, probably about a year ago and she talked about that we as women need to have something else that we are passionate about that doesn't mm-hmm. include our kids and how yeah. that teaches them a lot to see our passion. Yeah. So I think that's great. You said that. Well, and I think too, um, as a working mom, you think, well, maybe your passion should be your job, but that might all, not always be true. Um, I certainly got to use some of my spiritual gifts in my job, but it's very different when it's, you know, your job for a paycheck and very few people get to do a full-time job doing what they're passionate about. So a lot of people ask me, you know, how'd you find time to write a book? <clears throat> and I kind of feel like, like, what kind of disservice would I be doing to myself if I didn't find time to write the book? If God was pressing that on my heart and he's given me these uh, abilities to do so, it would be kind of an act of disobedience to not follow through on that. So I love my kids. I love my job. I love what I do, but it certainly wasn't what I feel God created me for, you know, it's not, Mm. it's not all of it. So. Yeah, it's great. That's real good. Okay. So we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back to your childhood where uh, your mom was a stay at home mom at at the beginning and Mm -hmm. your, the memory that you wrote about um, of your mom taking dinner to your dad while he was at work. It was a very Mm -hmm. busy time for him. You were a kid and I love that she did that to have, time together. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, vividly. So, you know, my dad worked a lot of hours. He's in the car business and that's just a very demanding field, especially back in his early career. Um, every bit of six days a week, 10, 12, 13 hour days. Yeah. But I never feel like we missed a beat because they were so intentional about making time. So we would pack his dinner in this little brown Pyrex dish. I can vividly remember it and eat with him in his conference room. And my brother and I would twirl around in the conference room chairs while he had dinner. And it was just normal. You know, it was never um, a thought to us that we missed dinner with dad because my mom was very intentional about making sure that we still had dinner with dad. So mm, I love it. Well, and that it kind of triggers a memory for me of doing kind of similar, but it would be on a Wednesday night church night. And we lived probably 30 minutes away from dad's work. And then probably mm-hmm. another 20 minutes from church or maybe 15, maybe it wasn't that mm-hmm. extreme. Um, but I remember us on Wednesday afternoons, we would, mom would pick me up from school and we go straight to pick dad up from work, leave one car there and go down to church to eat and do church. And then on the way back, drop his car off. I mean, go get his car. Mm -hmm. So that's so it's all about intentionality. Yeah. And it has to, a lot of it is the mom. Yeah. I love that memory (laughs) about your mom. Okay. And then she was moving into transitioning into working full time. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said. This is your quote. My mom's ability to adapt to the changes and implement new systems allowed us to continue to make time for the things that mattered most. And it has to be intentional. It has to be, or it's not going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of the underlying theme. (laughs) Okay. And so I love that you shared a lot of practical strategies in your book Mm -hmm. and, and you obviously learned those. It was modeled for you Mm -hmm. from your mom, but what are your top three strategies that you would tell working mamas, mamas working outside the home mm-hmm. that would help them not just to work harder, but work smarter. Sure. 
I feel like I've built a 13 year career out of working smarter. Um, mm. And that's kind of the back half of the book focuses on um, empowering the reader to find out like what actually is important to your boss and do those things first, because we waste so much time just doing things because either the person who did the job before us did them or, um, you know, there's a system in place, but sometimes that system can be reinvented. But the top three strategies are actually more about balancing my home because I start with that because that's the most important thing. You know, like if that first, if you're spiritual walk is in order and then your home is in order, the rest will kind of fall into place. Mm, They're very practical tips that I give. One was really a game changer for me because we live in this world where we are available 24 seven. Um, emails are sent after hours in most jobs. Uh, there's some sort of communication that takes place after you have left. And there's this draw and this feeling like you have to be connected or the other person that you work with is more connected and then they're going to advance. So one of the things that I learned was enabling VIP contacts on your phone. So you can go into a contact on your iPhone and you can set certain VIP contacts and they have a different ringtone. They have a different email tone, a different Mm. text tone. And then you can put your phone on do not disturb for like, I used to do from 6 PM to 8 PM. I put my phone on do not disturb with an automatic test message that said, sorry, I'm busy with my kids right now. I'll get back to you after eight, except for my boss. So she had a different ringtone. So I could leave my phone in the kitchen, be present with them in the living room. And if her text came through, it was the only one that would alert me. Or if her email came through, and then I could keep up with that feeling like I can't be completely disconnected. That's great. Um, So that was a great one that I learned. I learned it way too late in the game. (laughs) I would have known it sooner. Okay. Um, A second was, I think, all moms get really hung up on using their weekends to catch up on stuff. Meanwhile, your kids are just sitting there thinking like, when does the fun begin? You know, Mm -hmm. when do we get to like enjoy mom and dad? Most people are off on the weekends or at least part of it. So the second is not to spend your weekends on the minutia. And you have to be very intentional about that. You know, it doesn't just happen or you have laundry piled up and you have chores piled up. So I have made a loose schedule. I'm not too stuck to it because you just set yourself up for failure. If you're like Tuesday, we have to do the floors and then something comes up on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. but I have a loose schedule for how I keep up with things throughout the week um, by cleaning wipes that already have the products built into them in bulk, keep them in the bathrooms, wipe them down while the kids are in the tub and you're already in there, those types of things. And I never try to do laundry on the weekend. So if I keep up with it enough during the week, We don't have these piles of clothes. We're not prisoner in the laundry. We don't have to sit in our house. We can actually like get out and and live. And this seems very simple, but it made its way to the book because there's so many people I talk to who are like, I don't know how to get my weekends back. You know, like I feel like we're meal prepping. We're doing this, we're doing that. Um, And then the other, the third thing that I talk about, which seems extravagant, but it's really not is either some sort of grocery pickup or delivery service. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. Not every town has delivery. <laughs> mm, but they probably do have pickup. And yeah. it saves me time. It saves me money. I'm not like impulse buying or going hungry and buying everything in the store. <laughs> and it's one of those things that does give me my weekend back because we used to spend probably my husband grocery shops like your car shopping. We have to go down every aisle and we're like looking at the sizes of the boxes and he enjoys the act of grocery shopping, but sometimes it just, there's no time for that. 
Um, so those are my three practical tips, you know, That's like great. allow yourself to disconnect from the phone. Don't spend your weekends on the minutia and then grocery delivery or pickup. Yes, those are great. I love how practical it is and your book is, but your book has a lot of heart and I want to kind of go back. We went to, back to your childhood of seeing your mom model intentionality with um, priorities and family. Um, I want to go back a little bit. So were you, did you always have a desire to work? outside of the home. So when you met your husband and you um, had your girls, you were ready to jump back in. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about your experience in that area. So I would be, my mom was a stay-at-home mom until I was 12, but I would play with my dolls, like set them up in a daycare setting and go off to work. Like I just knew from the time that I was little that I had a desire to do something. And I don't know if that was maybe molded by seeing my mom not work for the first few years. I'm not sure where that came from. Um, but then seeing her transition into the working role, it just made me even more passionate about wanting to like just do something different. Um, I'll let you in on a little secret. I never really liked kids. So it was when my husband and I, we knew we wanted to have kids, but I was a little concerned because I babysat a lot growing up. I was a nanny and I was like, boy, you know, they never leave you. They never go home. <laughs> but as you, as mom, you know, something magical and different happens when they're your own kids. And I absolutely love them. So when we got married, um, we got married young. We were 20 when we got married. We start trying to have kids at 22. Um, we had fertility issues. So I actually had my first at 25. It was never even a thought in my mind that I would stay home. Um, I just knew I'd take three months off, go back to work. Five and a half years later, when we had our second meadow is where I struggled a little bit going back to work because you're now not only splitting like the time between work and home, but now you have two very demanding ages, um, five and one was starting school. The other one's a baby. Uh, but even kind of wrestling through that, I think God gave me peace and confirmation in there. Um, one of the things that writing this book helped me realize about myself is I kind of always looked like. I looked at it like I had to work, but a friend kind of enlightened me that there's, there is kind of always a choice. So I decided about halfway through the writing process to own the fact that I chose to work because I liked it. You know, I liked the fulfillment I got from it. I liked being able to use my skills. I know it sounds incredibly cliche, but I do feel like working with young children made me a better mom. I was super mm -hmm. intentional about my time with them. Like if they were home and I was with them, I was on. Whereas, you know, when you're on vacation or you have a few days off, like I notice, I get very caught up in just getting things done and not just being, you know, focused on them. So for me personally, I function better with a whole lot going on. Like I always have worked really well under pressure. And so just kind of knowing I have to figure out the best way possible to do it. Um, I allude in chapter 10 of the book that God's been doing some things in my heart and potentially um, changing the path of what my work looks like. So I haven't seen that fully materialize yet to what God's going to lead that into. But I do know that whatever it is, whatever the next step is, like working in some capacity will be involved because it's just something I feel like he made me to do. And that's why I want women to read this book because if you resonate with that, you shouldn't be guilty about that because God created us in his image and God was a worker. Mm. <laughs> He's still working. Yeah. Okay. So I want to pause first. Do you know your Enneagram number? Cause I have a feeling it might be a three. 
I'm actually, I've never done the whole check it out thing, but I believe I'm the perfectionist, the one. Oh, the one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I can say my husband is a one. And so you are go-getters. You'll get the job done and we need you. We need you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a people pleaser and I, my feelings get hurt very easily and all those things that come with a one. So I feel like I'm a one, but every time I read another number, I'm like, oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I love that. I love that. But I, I like how you alluded to, we're kind of starting to talk about guilt and the, that we put on ourselves. And somebody had said recently that guilt is different from conviction. I love your chapter four. The chapter is called, it's entitled us versus them. And I know after that you said, okay, stay at home moms. Y'all don't read this chapter. Just skip this chapter, move on. But I read it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I had been a working mom outside of the home um, in the past. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. So I read it, but I I have to say it was really, really good. I feel like there's an unspoken pull between women who are stay-at-home moms Mm -hmm. and women who work outside the home. I loved this chapter because I felt like it was totally just bridging that gap. So I tease at the beginning of that chapter with that on purpose, because of course, you know, you're told not to read it. You're going to keep reading. Of course. Um, (laughs) But I wasn't exactly sure where I was going to go with it either. So when I sat down to write, um, I wrote the book just start to finish with no outline. I just sat down and just wrote, 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 and then kind of figured out like what the chapters were and stuff afterwards. Everyone's told me I've done it backwards, but this is just my process. That's awesome. So I wasn't exactly sure what the big finish for that chapter was or where exactly I was going to go. I just knew that for my entire journey of being a working mom, which has been 11 years, which, you know, it's kind of starts in the pregnancy to make that 12 years. I've felt it. I have just felt the glares and the stares and the calculation going on behind the eyes when you talk to a group of moms and you're like the only one who works. Um, I have a job that's afforded me a great deal of flexibility um, where I could work. I could be off one day a week because I worked really long hours other days in the weeks. So I would try to join these groups, these mommy and me groups, these mops groups, these play groups, and I'm the only one shaking up a formula bottle and like immediately the eyes turn. And I know it's not intentional. And what I feel like God has shown me through this process is we are all just trying to do the very best job that we can with the motherhood thing. Mm. But I have a different set of standards for my work. You know, my work, I'm a hi, I'm aiming high. I want to be a high achiever. I'm a perfectionist. So the mom, the stay at home mom, that's her job. So like she's doing the same thing. She's applying the exact same logic and thinking Mm -hmm. to her job that I'm applying to mine. Mine just happens to be outside the home. So then when I get home, I get to do things a little different. You know, if if we've got a busy night and I've worked till five and we got to be at church at six, we're going to go to McDonald's. Because first of all, I'm contributing to the income of our home. So spending the four bucks on a Happy Meal is not a stretch for us. Um, I have to prioritize. I can't do it all. You know, and we, I, I'll segue into that chapter. You can't have it all. You can't do it all. Um, So we have to make different choices. And I talk in the book about my cousin, Noel, who really helped me see these differences because we took the time to understand each other. 
Because a lot of times, you know, you go to these groups or you're around other moms and you feel like they're glaring or you feel like they're judging. And then maybe actually beneath the surface, it's not judgment. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe they Mm. see that you get to put on fancy clothes and you get to be an adult for eight hours of the day. And then you get to come home and just like do the fun parts with your kids, like bathe them and play with them and get them ready for bed. Um, So it's just about understanding I mean, we, you, you said it, we would be bold faced lying if we said that the division didn't exist. I mean, if you're a mom who has never felt it, you're either living in a bubble of your own people, you know, your own kind, which is great. But even at church, I mean, our MOPS program meets at 9am. Our vacation Bible school is from eight to noon. How, how is that creating an environment for working moms to feel like they can contribute, they can belong, they can connect, you know, it's just, And it's not that anyone intentionally said, like, let's exclude working moms. There's just this, I think, this underlying unspoken churchy belief that we probably should be in the home. Um, And so I feel like through my story, God has given me a great piece. And he has pointed me to biblical examples that say, like, Katie, it's okay if if you work. I created you to do this. Um, So you already said it. I just want to bridge the gap. I just wanted to give the stay-at-home mom an insight into my thought process. And I call it choosing your because. Like, we go to McDonald's because we're busy. You know, we allow screen time because I, I need 10 minutes to take a shower and get dressed. Like, it's it's a lot to get out the door in the morning. Um, we allow sugar because, like, I feel like anything in moderation is fine. And I'm not, you know, creating these, like, sugar loving binge TV watching addicts, but you know, we're creating boundaries around these things. And then, you know, my, my cousin Noelle helped me see she's home all day with her kids. So if she turns the TV on in the morning, it's very difficult to peel them away from the TV. And it's very easy as a stay at home mom to give in and let them just sit and watch TV because then you can get a lot of stuff done, you know, but is that really the best use of, of their time? Um, and for McDonald's, like, they're, they let their kids have McDonald's when they can, but it's a stretch. You know, you're on a budget and you've made sacrifices and choices to be home. And so you want to be a good steward of the resources God's given you. So there's a lot of different reasons. And what I really want the reader to do is just to start to think about their own. And you said it, is it conviction or is it guilt? Because guilt does not come from God. So if there is something that you are just wrestling with, and every time you get in a group of people who are different than you, you feel this difference. Like, is that conviction or is that guilt? And if it's guilt, let it go. Like mm-hmm. no one's ever going to be doing it exactly your way, but God gave you those kids for a reason. He knew what kind of mom you'd be. He knew exactly what choices you would make, whether you agree with happy meals or soda or not. And he gave you those kids anyway. So just do you, you know, like just own it, do you, but prayerfully consider the choices because sometimes there are convictions. You know, there was certainly a time where we allowed a little too much screen time because it was really easy for me to focus on the baby while she was watching TV when we had just had Meadow and you just learn as you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, okay. Whoa, we got to pull it back a little bit. And then you put a new system in place. Yeah. I've heard it also that God has picked you to be the mama mm-hmm. to those children. Mm-hmm. And so be the mama that he's called you to be. We're going to get right back to my conversation with Katie, but before we do, I want to tell you something exciting that's coming up. The Hope Bird was originally given as a gift to me in 2011, 
my friend Stacy of Meredith Design Co. handmade the gift, hoping it would provide encouragement during a difficult season in my life. This gift became a daily reminder of hope for me. I want to tell you about this super exciting news that we are going to have the Hope Bird made available to you for a limited time. We hope and pray that the Hope Bird will become a visual reminder that there is hope in the Lord and that His fingerprints are on your story. Each bird is lovingly handmade and unique, just like you. We will have the Hope Bird available at June Bug Design Show, which is tomorrow, November 2nd, for local Memphis friends that are going to be at that event. But if not, no worries, because we will make this available on my website on November 22nd. You will be hearing much more about it, but I just wanted to give you a sneak peek of what's coming. All right, back to the show. Okay, so we kind of alluded to this a little bit about community. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how you said this also in your book. What I've come to learn and embrace through ups and downs of my life struggle is that I can't afford not to surround myself with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So when did you realize that specific truth and how has community changed things for you? Mm-hmm. So at 22 years old, Um, we were newly married and we lived about an hour from our family and, uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges that come with that. We're not in college anymore. We're not really, you know, doing that whole scene. And so I just decided I needed a Tampa family and I joined my first, um, community group or life group with the church and that actual, the, the core group that was there 14 years ago still meets today, every Friday. So, um, they are different ages, different stages. I call them my Bible babes. Um, <laughs> we range, I'm the youngest and I started at 22 and now um, the oldest is in our seventies and we've got single, married, divorced. Um, just We're just real broken women trying to do life and we do it together. So that was the first core of my community. And I kind of describe it like a bullseye. So like that's the center of my bullseye. They keep me grounded. They keep me accountable. I can go there even on my worst day and say like, this is what I did. And there's no judgment. There's just encouragement. Then my husband and I recognized a need for that as a couple. So we started going to a group like that together. And now we lead one in our home on Monday nights. Um, And that's been kind of our, as a couple, our biggest support group. And we've gone through some stuff, you know, ups and downs of life. And they're the ones there kind of crying and holding your hand. Um, And then in our neighborhood, you know, we've been trying to practice the art of loving your neighbors. So we have a Thursday dinner with two sets of our neighbors who have new babies. So we decided that every Thursday we want to feed them so that they could just have a place to come and we'll hold their babies and they get a chance to eat. Um, cause you can't overlook who's on your street, you know, and they don't go to our church. They're not, you know, they're just friends. So, and then, um, at work. So some of the craziest things in my life have happened between the hours of nine to five, Monday through Friday. And I have just realized like, I need people who are with me at work who can carry me through that. And actually one of the biggest losses and saddest days in my life was a miscarriage that took place while I was on my lunch break at work. And it was one of the girls at work who like picked me up, literally helped me dress and walked to my car and um, 
when I look back and reflect on those things and I wrote that chapter, like, you know, I opened with that line that you quoted, but I really, by the end of writing it, I really like believed it. (laughs) When you look back at your life and you're like, gosh, God used different people at each step to just carry me when I had like no strength left to stand on my own or allow me to be the person, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their life, which is equally as uplifting and connecting you to the Lord. So community is probably the biggest thing. If anybody walked away with something from this book, it's that you cannot do life alone. And it's so easy as a mom, forget work or stay at home to say like, I'm too busy for this, you know, because you really do have to be intentional about it. You have to mess up your kids' nap schedules. You have to sometimes skip getting them in bed on time. You have to open your door when your house is messy and let people in. And those are hard things for us to do as moms, but we were not created to live in isolation. And it is so hard to connect to our father when we are just doing it alone. So hard because he uses other people to show up and meet needs or allow you to meet there. So that's honestly, I love that you pulled that out as one of the things to talk about because the more time I've had to reflect on this, if anybody was going to make a, a change in their life as a result of reading the book, it would be go find your community. Mm, I love that. That's so neat. That's, that's how God works. You know, mm-hmm. he points things out to yeah. certain people and I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Um, okay. So let's even go a little bit deeper. How did God lead you to write this book? Um, <laughs> what did he teach you about himself in it? How did you even like start? So I started to write a book in my twenties. You know, you think you know everything in your twenties. And <laughs> I didn't finish it and realize I really don't have that much wisdom. In my 20s. I still in my thirties don't have that much wisdom. But um, so about two years ago, I was looking for a resource like this. The, the, the genre of Christian working mom books is very slim. There's like one, I think that's really like a big name and it even doesn't really touch too much on the, on the, um, the faith-based stuff. So I'm just searching for a resource myself. And then God kind of started with this whisper saying like, you're going to write it. And I'm like, no way. I'm not going to write this, mm-hmm. but you know, it's God when you can't silence it. So it just kept popping up. And then these phrases and these ideas and these concepts for chapters kept coming into my mind. And, um, I bargained with him. I'm like, okay, God, you give me the words and the time and I'll sit down and do it. And he delivered on both. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a surgery back last January. And so I was two weeks out of work, kind of contained my couch. I grabbed the computer, opened it up and just started writing. By the time I went back to work, I had three chapters. Wow. So wow. I got that far into it. I'm like, I can't stop now. You know? <laughs> so I just, over the course of the next seven months, just wrote, like I've already said, they, the industry has told me I did it all wrong. Um, but that's what I love about God. Like I did it his way. So I thought I was writing the book to help other working moms. And what I realized was God was having me write the book, um, to teach me a whole lot still about myself, about him. Um, he taught me that I really can't do anything in my own strength, um, through seasons of anxiety and some depression, trying to be it all for everyone and just coming up exhausted, just showed me that like this 
level of perfection that I strive for is just not realistic. But he also brought me a lot of real, of real comfort in that. Um, so if we were created initially to live in a perfect garden, free of sin, and we're the ones who messed it up, wouldn't we always long for that perfection? So it's yeah. okay for me to long for God's idea of perfection because that is what we were created to live in. But I might not find that here, you know? So he's helped me kind of wrestle with this good enough. So I've come up with my own idea of good enough. Like yeah. if I can do these things in my home and these things in my work and these things with my life, like that's enough to stand before him and hear that well done. You know, that, mm. that, what, that reassurance that you want, that you ran this race well. It was learning a complete dependency on him, reliance on him through the writing process. I, my goal is to help one person, like just one. I, I don't have a book sales goal. I'm not trying to hit any numbers. Um, it was never about that. It was just, there's got to be a woman out there who needs this as much as I needed this. And I, my prayer is just that it reaches that person. And little by little, God has showed up and given me these tiny reassurances to stay the path because I will get a random DM from someone that I don't know. And I'm like, Oh, someone I don't know actually bought the book. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like your words touched me or God spoke to me through this. And so I just feel like that was, that was the purpose. That's why I started. That's why I re- it was all just out of obedience. He said, right. Mm-hmm. I wrote, I didn't really know how it was even going to get published or get in the hands of anybody. And he just mm-hmm. kind of laid out the path. It's not the path I would have chose. It's, it went very different. Don't ever set out to write a book if you're not 100% sure that God's on your side because it's the most challenging thing you will ever do. I mean, there's so much opposition. Having an editor read your words, poke holes in your words, question your words, you know, like it's all part of the process and it's good. But for, you know, Enneagram one like me, this is like enough to make you rock back and forth in the corner, sucking your thumb at night. <laughs> like, why did I do this? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just strengthened me through that process and my complete reliance on him. That's great. That's so good. Well, and I have a few friends right now that God is calling them to step out and do some things Mm -hmm. and they have pushed it away and pushed it away. And now they are stepping out and it's neat because they're like, okay, I know God's calling me to this because he, he continues to work on their heart and putting people in their path. Like, Hey, write this book or Hey, start this business, mm-hmm. start this. We need your help. And, um, so that's neat. It's neat that you've, you're yeah. following God and that mm-hmm. it was all of out of obedience. And well, I love the that. crazy thing is <clears throat> they tell you, they say that you need a platform. Everybody I spoke to is like, you did it yeah. wrong. Build your platform, then come back to us when your book is written. And I just kept saying, I just kept hanging up from these calls with like potential agents and editors and all these people thinking like, you're a Christian agent or you're a Christian publisher. Like, come on, when did God not become enough? I don't Mm. need, you know, like, Lord, do I really need this platform? And so in his, you know, mercy and his power, he has built it as I have moved forward But Mm -hmm. I didn't, I mean, for any of your friends or any of your listeners who have this thought that they want to start something, you don't need that. You don't need followers. You don't need likes. God doesn't need that. Like he Mm -hmm. will take what you are willing. Think about the lady with the two pieces of silver, like all that she had. 
throw it in. He'll take Mm -hmm. it and he will use it. And don't worry about those numbers. Like when did it not be enough to just want to speak, you know, or, or act out what God is calling you to do? Like that is totally enough. And just go forth like one little step at a time, one baby step at a time. Like what's your, I love Emily P. Freeman and her next right thing book and podcast. And it's like, what is your next right thing? If you want to write, sit down at your computer. So you don't need to know the whole path. You know, you want to make a podcast, sit down and watch a YouTube video on how to do that. You don't have to know how it all plays out or where you get your listeners. Like they will come. Right. That's awesome. I love it. You're getting fired up. I love it. I love it, girl. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's transition into, you have a podcast that is called For the Working Mama and Mm -hmm. I love it. And tell us a little bit about it. Okay. So in chapter one of the book. Uh, I kind of finished, so every chapter has an application and I finished chapter one with, you need to work on your, um, relationship with God before you tackle any of these other things. So that's the foundation and that needs to be the start. But I realized that there, or I hoped that there are people who will pick up this book who have never done that before. Like, don't even know where to start. What does that look like? What is a devotion? How do I even begin? So I wanted to practically lay out for them. Here is how you strengthen your relationship with the Lord, you put in time just like you would with your community. And so I walk them through a guide to studying the Proverbs. because I feel like that's a pretty straightforward place to start if you've never done anything. Um, And while they independently read, I wanted to accompany that with some sort of daily devotion and working moms are busy. So I've already asked them to read my book and now I want them to read another daily devotion, Mm, like send them by email or something. Yeah. So it kind of just very rapidly and organically transitioned into a podcast. So I do type it out first because I'm a writer first, speaker second. Um, So I, I type out what I want the, the, accompanying devotion to be to go with each chapter of Proverbs. And I try to keep it to around eight minutes, somewhere between six and eight minutes of just devotion. You know, like you pick up a devotion, they're typically a little bit of someone's story, then they dive into the word and then they try to apply it to your life. So it's meant to just fill your daily commute with truth and um, kind of set your yourself on the right path for the day. Because that one tiny tilt in the axis can make such a difference to how the rest of your day looks. Yes. I love it. I love it. Keep doing it, girl. It's great. I really like it. Okay. We have literally like three minutes left. I want to jump into the eat, read, love segment. Okay. So what are you eating? What are you reading? And what are you loving? Okay. So eating is really more of drinking. Um, the pumpkin cream cold brew from Starbucks. Okay. If you have not had that, go today and get one. Um, Delicious. (laughs) I am reading multiple things at one time. I am listening to um, Jess Connolly's You're the Girl for the Job. I am reading Jenny Allen's Made for This um, kind of as a daily devotion. And I am rereading The Next Right Thing by Emily Freeman because you you can't read it one time. I know. It's really good. It's a really good book. Yeah. And then loving, so I was trying to think about this, like, what am I loving? And then I looked back through, I'm like, what have I spent the most money on lately? Um, (laughs) I don't really buy myself a lot. You know, lush bath bombs, I have been loving those because I take my little bath bomb into the bath, and another book I'm reading, which I forgot to mention, it sits on my bathtub ledge, is Bread and Wine by Shauna Nyquist. Yes. And so I just read one little story each time I take a bath, and then they have 
um, recipes in there. So I've been making her recipes um, for some of these Thursday dinners we do with our neighbors. Okay. So that's what I've been loving. I love it. I love what you're loving and what you're eating <laughs> and what you're reading. That's awesome. Yes. Hey, thanks for giving me some moments today to talk mm-hmm. about your story. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. I think it's great. I think many women will be encouraged by hearing mm-hmm. it. And where can they get your book and where can they find you online? So thanks for that. Um, the book is sold at every online retailer. It's called This One's For The Working Mama, or you can look it up by my name, Katie T. Alexander, spelled as it sounds. Um, my website is fortheworkingmama.com, which is just kind of a teaser for the book. It gives you all the information. It's going to transition into more of a resource for working moms over the next few months, if I can find those pockets of time to do that. And then I'm on Instagram only, and it's at for the working mama. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us and you have an awesome day. Thank you so much, Ren. This was my pleasure. Oh my goodness. I had a great conversation with Katie. I uh, messaged her later. and I was like, I feel like we're BFF already. But she has an incredible message that God has given her, and I loved hearing her story, a little behind the scenes of what God called her to do and how, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do want to say that all of the links that we talked about today, her podcast, her website, her Instagram, and what she's eating and reading and loving will be in the show notes that I email out every Tuesday. Or you can go straight to the show notes today at renrobbins.com slash podcast slash 108. It is my joy and privilege to bring you these amazing stories each week. If this podcast has been helpful for you, I hope you'll leave a review. Thanks to Asali11 for leaving a review entitled Refreshing and Real. I love listening to Ren and her guests every week. It is encouraging, uplifting, and honest. Love it. Thank you so much for your kind words. Y'all know I go back and read them, right? <laughs> Having a five, the five love language of words of affirmation, I love it. It buoys me up when I'm having a discouraging day. But more than that, it helps other women be able to find the podcast easily. Thank y'all for leaving those reviews and for listening every week. Y'all are the best. So I want to leave you with some words that Katie shared with us today. I love when she said, you know it's God when you can't silence it. Yes, have you ever felt that nudge? And God will put other people to encourage you in that area, whatever it is. So I just want to tell you, if you are feeling those nudges that God is leading you to something, seek after Him, get in His Word, seek Him in prayer, and He's going to show you. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode today. As always, you can find me at wrenrobbins.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. And remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.